<clears throat> of all the 12 apostles, uh, we know that Jesus had an inner circle, three particular of the apostles that were especially close to him, Peter, James, and John. They were given special opportunities with Jesus that the others didn't have. And of the three, only John the apostle uh, seemed to be the closest. And uh, he sat at Jesus' right hand at the Last Supper. He was present at every major event during Jesus' ministry. He, along with his brother James, was actually Jesus' cousin. Uh, he was called the beloved apostle or the apostle whom Jesus loved. And he was the only one to die a natural death at the age, well, in his 90s. John seemed to have special insight into the love of God. It's his main theme. He wrote five books, the, Apost the uh, Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John epistles, and also the book of Revelation. And in all of his writings, God's love was a main theme. I want to turn to John chapter 14 and verse 23. I really appreciate the Gospel of John because he took the time to write down long speeches that Jesus had, and in this case, actually a prayer that he gave to the Father just prior to his crucifixion. And he said in John 14, beginning in verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we, the Father and the Son, will come to him and make our home with him. So as believers and as Christians, we have the privilege of having Jesus Christ and the Father, and the Spirit for that matter, the Holy Spirit, dwelling in us, making their home in us. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So, for all time, because God never had a beginning, one God has existed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they love one another with a godly type of love. And uh, their relationship has been held together with the love that they have for each other. Now, we come to understand that they have brought that love that they have, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they have brought that love to us. And it's God's desire to see his love active in our lives as his children. Notice in uh, 1 John, back toward the back of your Bible, the epistle, first epistle of John, 1 John 4, beginning in verse 7. 1 John 4, beginning in verse 7. This is what uh, John writes. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, this is talking about a particular type of love, as we're going to come to understand. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So notice, it doesn't just say that God loves people. 
He can be lovable. Uh, it says he is love. So that is the essence of his nature as God. He is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives on, in us and his love is made complete in us. So God's love, which is different, it transcends whatever love we can muster up as human beings. God's love transcends whatever we know of love. And as we're going to see here, he actually brings us his love. When we become believers, he instills his love, the love that he's had for all time, into us. Now, God is love. Everything he does is motivated by love. He's never motivated by anger, revenge, selfishness, or anything else. Even the wrath of God is motivated by his love. And the word used in the New Testament for God's love is agape, A-G-A-P-E. This is the love of God, agape. Now, this love is unconcerned with the self. So understand how God loves. His love is unconcerned with the self. And it's concerned with the greatest good of others. Agape isn't born just out of emotion, feelings, familiarity, or attraction, but from the will and as a choice. So God has chosen to love us. He doesn't just feel sorry for us or just, you know, uh, for whatever other reason, love us. He has chosen to love us. It is a pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another's highest good. And that's certainly what he's done with us. Agape does not come naturally to us in our sinful state. However, it does come naturally to God and is an integral part of his nature. So by drawing close to him and experiencing his love, we are able to begin to understand what this love means. And only through him can we experience his love and share it with others. And this only happens, it only starts when you become a believer. I want to turn to Romans 5, verse 5. Romans 5, verse 5. And notice what it says about our receiving God's love when it takes place. Romans 5, 5 says this, Hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So when we hear the gospel and respond, we realize we're sinners. We come to the point where we know we need to repent and have Jesus as our Savior. At that point, Scripture says, God pours out his love, his brand of love, which is different from human love. It so far transcends human love. You know, human love can be selfish. It can be self-centered. Or it can be doled out to someone based on what you're going to get in return. And a lot of times love comes with a lot of strings attached. 
human love. But God's love is not like that. God's love is selfless. God's love is also always looking out for the best in the, in the other, the target of your love or the recipient of your love. So when we first believe the Holy Spirit poured out God's love into our hearts, it's a giving love. It doesn't depend on the response of the one that you love. It's a sacrificial love. It is a selfless love, a love that has the good of the other at heart. It's an unconditional love with no strings attached. And it's a love that is demonstrated by one's actions, not just their feelings. So sometimes, you know, I remember as a teenager having a crush on somebody. And you think from the, from the distance, oh, I love that person. And you just feel this, this warm glow inside whenever you're around that other person. But you never do anything, you know, to demonstrate that love. God's love is demonstrated by his actions. He doesn't just hold his love inside. He does things to demonstrate his love. So agape love, God's love, is your deliberate living an active effort to deliver to someone the grace of God at whatever the cost may be to you without expectation of personal gain or reward. Now, the greatest example of God's love, of course, we just mentioned it, but I'll turn again to a very famous verse in John 3, verse 16. I think the highest expression, as far as we're concerned, of God's love was the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And John 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world. In other words, he didn't just have a warm feeling for us, but it's the kind of love that is demonstrated by his actions. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So that right there is the greatest example of God's love. Giving up his only son, which was not an easy thing to do. But he loved us so much, and he wanted to demonstrate that love. He sent his son down to this earth to live a perfect life, and then to die on the cross, even though he didn't deserve it. You see, we had no way to pay him back for that either. So there were no strings attached to God's love. He laid it all out for us through his son, Jesus Christ. So that's a great example of God's love. Now keep in mind, this same love that caused him to do that, he has now instilled in us. So we have a responsibility now. We can't just receive God's love and think, oh yeah, God, keep it coming. I just love these things you're doing for me and, and the feelings you have for me. No, we have a responsibility having received God's love. It must now flow out from us Amen. and touch other people. Okay, let's turn to Galatians 5, verse 22. Galatians 5, verse 22, it describes God's love here as one of the fruits and the most important fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 22. <clears throat> He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and don't forget, the Bible lists things in order of precedence. So if it's first on the list, it's the most important thing of all the group here. The fruit of the Spirit is love. 
Yes, also joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But the most important, the first one, is love. And it's not just human love. It's God's love, agape, which we received from him as a gift. He poured it in us. So he didn't use a, an eyedropper when he gave us his love. He poured it into us through the Holy Spirit. So whether you realize it or not, this love, the very, the very love that God demonstrated as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for all time, the relationship that they have, the love that they have for one another, that has been now given to us as a gift when we first accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. Amen. I want to turn now to uh, 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, it describes, it gives us a better idea of how this love happens in our life, how it's demonstrated in our life. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 4. <clears throat> Wonderful passage here. It says, this agape, this love that we've received from God that has been poured into us, is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But love never fails. So that gives us an idea of how this love, this agape that God has poured into us when we first started believing, how it needs to be demonstrated in our life. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I go through that list that we just read here, verses 4 through 8, I see the opposite demonstrated in my life. And I'll be honest with you and admit it. <laughs> sometimes I'm not patient. And sometimes, you know, I, I don't want to be forgiving. But you see, when that happens in my life, I'm not demonstrating the love of God. Now, I should never question whether the love of God is in me. I have proof from Scripture that it is in me. So what am I doing with it? Am I letting it become apparent in my relationship with other people? Or am I blocking it somehow? So we all need to take a personal inventory. I can't speak for you. You can't speak for me. When we read through this passage here, verses 4 through 8, you need to grade yourself. And if you don't see enough of this good stuff becoming evident in your life, you need to ask God to help you to tune in more closely to the love he's already placed in us and let it become apparent in your relationships with other people and your relationship with God for that matter. You know, often I think when I read through this passage, I think of marriage and uh, what greater way to demonstrate this love of God than in our marriage and in our family? 
in our relationship with our mate and in our relationship with our children. But of course, it also goes out to everybody we come in contact with, the people we work with, the people we go to school with, the people in our neighborhood. Is God's love, God's love, not human love, agape love? Is that being demonstrated in our lives enough? I don't think that there's any level or any standard that we, we try to reach except for the example of Jesus Christ. And we read through the Gospels the story of his life and how he treated other people and came in contact with them. In fact, Jesus taught us Matthew 5, beginning in verse 45, in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 and verse 45. Well, I'll begin in verse 43. Matthew 5, verse 43. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Now, that's not possible with human love, is it? That's a miracle that comes by having the love of God in you, which has been given to you as a gift. And we need to express it. And we need to let it be evident in our relationships with other people. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, see, that's human love. It's got strings attached. Well, I'll love you as long as you love me back. No, Jesus Christ loved people who didn't love him, who didn't accept him, who didn't respect him. He still loved them. What's the scripture say? Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That's how great his love is and how surpassing the love of God is. So again, he says in verse 46, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And how do you become perfect? By loving the way God loves. And again, it goes totally diametrically opposed to human love. Human love is selfish, self-centered. It's got lots of strings attached. And you know, when I think of weddings and, and marriages, what greater way to really demonstrate the love of God? You know, it said that agape love is a decision. It's a decision of the will. It's not just based on emotion, but you come to the point where you decide that, you know what, I'm gonna marry this person and till death do us part. You're making a decision. Now, I remember, you know, I've done countless weddings, and I had a wedding of my own, my wife and I. And when you come to the point that you read those vows, you know, uh, for richer or poorer, for, for, you know, better or for worse, for, you know, whatever the case may be, in sickness and in health, you vow that you are going to love this person no matter what is going to happen in your relationship. No strings attached. You know, I'm going to love that person, whether they're mad at me or whether they're going to love me back, whatever the case may be. I'm making a decision of the will 
to love this person because that represents godly love. And as a Christian, that's the love that God has poured into me. So what excuse do I have not to love that person the way God loves them? You know, that's why the Bible tells us when it comes to marriage, don't become unequally yoked with an unbeliever. You know, when I was searching for the woman that I would eventually marry, and I got married a little bit later in life. You know, I was in my late 20s. That seems crazy now, you know, nowadays, because people get married at whatever age. But, uh, you know, back years and years ago when I was young, all my friends were married, and I was the last one uh, single, about 28 years old. And I used to pray to God and say, God, you know the person out there that I should marry. <laughs> I just pray for a Christian woman, a one who believes like I believe, you know, one who loves you the way I love you. And it took a while, but finally I met the woman that I was to marry, and her name is Mary. <laughs> We've been happily married now for over 40 years. And God provided, thank you, God provided just the woman that I needed. So that's why you're not supposed to become unequally yoked with unbelievers. You know, it would be tough as a Christian to be married to somebody who does not believe in God or who does not love God the way that you do and does not have that goal of the kingdom of God uh, in their minds all the time and a heavenly reward that God has, has promised us through Jesus Christ. Because marriage, I think, was set up by God to be a special, I don't know the words to describe it, a special place where now the love of God that has been poured into you as husband and wife can be shared with one another and with God at the same time. But it even goes beyond that. It goes beyond to all of our relationships, even to the point of our enemies. It's not humanly possible to love an enemy. When you think of an enemy, you're, you're angry, and you, you think the worst about them, and the worst for them, and, cur you know, curses. <laughs> one time somebody came up to me and said, can you say, say a prayer of cursing this one person? I said, you know, we don't do curses. We do blessings, but not curses, because all he wanted was the worst for that person to happen. That's not God's way. In fact, uh, I want to turn to John 13. Verse 34. John 13 and verse 34. And uh, in the video, they referred to this passage here. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And by this, all men and women will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. So notice, our identity is not based on days that we keep. It's not based on uh, foods that we eat or don't eat. We used to think that that was the case years and years ago. That, that that's what set us apart. That's what really pleased God. No. This new command, love others the way that I love you, with that godly love. Because God loves us with agape love. 
and we should love others in the same way. And it's this, this love that we have for others, the love of God, that's what will identify us as God's people. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So first and foremost in the church, but then it goes outside the church as well to all relationships, even your enemies. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 1. As Greg in the video was saying, Jesus was asked, what is the most important uh, command? And Jesus said, well, love God with all your heart and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's not human love, that's the love of God. That's agape love. So Paul says in Ephesians 5, beginning in verse one, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm there. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Oh, I'm in the wrong book. Ephesians 5, verse 1, I'm sorry. Be imitators of God. That's our calling. <laughs> we come to know God. We come to love God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we have been called to be imitators of God. First and foremost, when it comes to the subject of love. God has asked us to do things that human love cannot accomplish. But what he has done is he has given us his love. That's what distinguishes us from other people in this world. We're followers of Jesus Christ. We're believers. We have received Jesus as our Savior. And what happens then is the love of God is poured into us. So we got pl a plenteous supply of God's love. We have no excuse. So, God, you didn't give me enough love. I, I would have loved to really uh, reached out to that person or demonstrated your grace to that person, but I just don't think you gave me enough love. God has poured his love into us through the Holy Spirit. So, therefore, verse 1, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So consider your relationships with other people. Do you act out of selfishness, self-centeredness, wishing the worst for somebody else instead of the best for somebody else? Do we let our emotions, our human anger get in the way? Resentfulness, revenge, and things like that? God has given us the means to show his love toward all the people we come in contact with. Granted, sometimes it's still not all that easy, but we have to be close to God. And you know, when something happens in our lives, somebody upsets us, somebody does something nasty to us, we need to take it to God in prayer and say, okay, Father, <laughs> my emotions are up right now. You know, what this person has done to me has really rubbed me the wrong way, it's angered me, but Father, I know you have given me your love. And you have given me the wherewithal now to treat this person in a different way. You know, maybe we're never going to be buddy buddies again, but I need to treat them as a Christian. If, if nothing more than that, I need to be Christian toward them, just as Jesus would be. So we need to imitate God in that respect. That's what God has called us to do. That's some of the hard parts of Christianity, isn't it? 
It's, it's easy to come to church. All you have to do is get in your car and drive here and, and come and sit for a little over an hour. But now we're talking about getting along with other people. And let's face it, we live in a fallen world. Other people mistreat us, and sometimes still we might mistreat somebody else. But God has given us his love, agape, which is head and shoulders above any kind of human love we can muster up. And we need to use this love. We need to demonstrate this love. You know, love, as I said, is something that you just can't hold inside. It has to be demonstrated. You can't say, well, this person, I don't really appreciate them, but you know what, I know I've got God's, God's love for them and I'm gonna hold that inside of me and, I, and feel all good for them. No, you gotta demonstrate it. It's gotta be demonstrated. What, where would we stand if God just held love for us inside of him and he didn't demonstrate it? He demonstrated it by sending his son, Jesus Christ, and in every other way he demonstrates it to us on a daily basis in our lives, whether we realize it or not. Here's a prayer that God will always answer. You know, we wonder sometimes, if I pray for this or if I pray for that, do you think God will answer it? Is, is it his will, you know, to, to answer my prayer the way I want it answered? Here's a prayer that I guarantee you will always be answered. Lord, teach me to love that person the way you love them. Lord, teach me to love that person the way you love them. Even though that person may be unlovable <laughs> and hard to bear with. Haven't we all been that way in our lives as sinners, but yet God was willing to bear with us? Like I said, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And even as Christians, we're not always that great, are we? We still slip, slip up and mess up from time to time in sin, even though we know we're forgiven by the blood of Christ. God has given you a wonderful and rare gift that he wants you to share with others. It's his love, agape. It is the love of God in you that can make a difference in those around you. Starting with your mate, your family members, and going out from there. Are you looking for love, the kind that will never hurt you and will fill the empty places in your heart? I think we all are. Why don't you try to give some of what you're looking for to somebody else? The love of God that has been poured in you. Go ahead and share it with others, and you will find that you can never outgive God. He will take the gift of love that you give to others and return it to you, specially designed to fit your particular need. So let someone see the love of God in you starting this next week. And, and focus on somebody who may not be real lovable. Focus on somebody who may even be your enemy. And ask God how to demonstrate that love toward them. Find a way. And you will be fulfilling the, the will of God. And you will be blessed for it. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sharing this truth with us today. And thank you, Father, for the gift of your love, agape love. It's so beyond what we can even imagine as 
human beings because our emotions are so limited. Our emotions tend to be negative, Father, but thank, thank you that you've always been positive toward us. Even in our sins, you were willing to do whatever you had to do to heal the wound, to restore us to a relationship with you. So, Father, now that you have freely poured your love in us through the Holy Spirit as believers, help us now to use that love. Help us to share that love. Help us to pour that love into other people's lives. And so to imitate you. So, Father, we're going to need your guidance on a daily basis as to how to exactly to do this. So help us to bring our concerns. Help us to bring our broken relationships to you and ask you. And we know that you'll help us to understand exactly what to do and maybe what not to do. But make it clear to us, Father, because uh, living in this fallen world, it's filled with broken relationships. And we'd like to restore those as much as possible. And Father, uh, we know that with you, all things are possible. So Father, guide us along the way. And thank you once again for this tremendous gift, this delicate gift that you've given us, that you've poured into us. And never, never let us doubt that we have this gift. Scripture assures us that your love has become a part of us now. And let us act from a godly way and not from a human way in all the relationships we have. So, Father, thank you. We want you to know that we love you. And we pray this all now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.